Now, now there's you, you could also troll back and say, well, does that mean we can classify certain music as terrorism? Because listening to it is so bad. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, I, I don't know. But, uh, well, I mean, I, I give them credit for at least being entertaining. So, Jeff, I figured we could talk about everyone's second favorite topic. Second? favorite mm -hmm. okay what's everybody's second favorite topic terms of service oh gee no not no really the second yes. favorite topic that's like yes. my 9432nd favorite topic no but it's, everyone, it's important everyone loves terms of service because we agree to terms of service all the time and the best thing about okay. terms of service is they can change even if you're not aware of it mm. and you're still bound by it somehow mm -hmm. which yeah, is an interesting true. conundrum which I would love to be challenged someday. Yeah, I don't know if that's legal or not, but someone has to, you know, nut up and actually go challenge it. Well, they, they, they say you accept by not canceling your service, but how are you supposed to know? Because some mm -hmm. of them, like, you can't find out unless you're on the site, and mm -hmm. then the site's like, if you don't cancel your service in three days, you've automatically agreed to it. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I haven't signed into your service for a month, <laughs> so then I've automatically accepted terms I didn't know about? Yeah, yeah. Uh... So I don't know how enforceable that would be. They can, they can put whatever they want into a terms of service. They could put uh, if you agree oh, to use this oh, service, you will gonna, give us gonna, the contents of the moon or something. And 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 we're gonna we're gonna get into that. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry for I don't mean to steal your thunder. I've I've got a better reference than what you just came up with off the top of your head. That oh, wow. actually happened. Oh no. But I wanted to start this by framing this in recent events that have happened mm -hmm. that kind of got under my crawl. As you know, I am not the how should I say this? I'm not a person with the highest opinion of Facebook. We'll just we'll just phrase it like that. <laughs> and yes, that's that is an accurate statement. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Facebook also owns this company called Instagram, which uh, I yes. do use. Mm -hmm. um, I don't use it much, but I I do use it somewhat. Uh -huh. And Instagram decided that it was just that time where they needed to update their terms of service. And I will have a slew of links down in the description if you want to go through all this. I know someone's going to go through them, but I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I won't. I've got not only the link, but an archive link in case they've changed it since <laughs> the time that I read it, because that's possible. Mm -hmm. Because there was a, a wee bit of feedback that, uh, that they got because people were not happy. <laughs> because some of the decisions that were made and new rules that are just magically in place now well, you don't have an option. You just automatically agree to them because they say so. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that they did was they changed what usernames are allowed. And they decided that you can no longer use a domain name or a URL in your username without prior written consent. Now, what does that mean? Prior one person could read that and go, okay, so I can't have .com in, in my username, right? No, that's not what that means at all. So there's a beauty blogger who runs a website which was bargainbeautyhub.com. Okay. Her Instagram account name was Bargain Beauty Hub because obviously mm -hmm. that brand recognition. Yep. This is what brand marketing people have been saying always do, mm -hmm. have the same name. Well, according to the Facebook business rep that she spoke with, that was not allowed. She will have to change her Instagram handle to something else no. or be at risk of them terminating her account. What? 
Why? So she has had because they just decided, and because they can retroactively make this rule apply for everybody. That that yeah that that sticks in my craw too. Now in in the in the legal system we have this concept of grandfathering. So if you were doing something or you had something in place and then a law changes, you don't have to go back and redo certain things that were legal in the past because mm -hmm. you're grandfathered in. Anything you do going forward then has to be under the new the new law. So it would be nice if Instagram did something similar. If you had an account prior to this change of date and you were using your your account name, your domain name, then you're you're allowed. But anybody going forward, you can't do it going forward. Well, no, they decided just a blanket policy. Now this affects me because my Instagram name is effectively my domain. Mm -hmm. So I haven't changed it yet. I haven't been banned yet. Um, probably because I don't have. I don't do much with it, but you gotta have it, content I mean, it, or activity, right? Well, I have I have a fair amount of content on there, but I don't use it much. Mm -hmm. It was mostly for me to just network with the other people that I had done photography with before. So, mm -hmm. for instance, when I would go to different conferences to meet up with models to do shoots with them, it was easier to link up over Instagram. So, anyway, I, I've got the sort of Damocles looming over my head whenever <laughs> someone at Instagram decides, oh, oh, that's a domain name, kill it. It it might happen. I could go in and change it. I don't know what to change it to. But I guess that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll just tack on Instagram sucks on the end of my username because then that's not my domain name. And then they can't say anything about it. <laughs> I, so, I don't think that would actually work. But I think they would have another term of service somewhere that it says uh, in violation of. Yeah, probably, probably. Or they'll just make one up. And, Community and guidelines. Factually yeah. apply, apply that. Oh, well, we just made a new term of service today. Do you see this? Three this minutes ago. Specifically, your name is not allowed. It says so right here. <laughs> right, yeah. And no derivation of your name is allowed. It says so right here. And there's just a bunch of other things that they changed, which were weird, and some of the wording was... No, let's just say questionable. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, Instagram is notably known for being mobile only. There, while there is a desktop application that you can use in Windows that's made by Instagram, it's very limited in what it can do because they want you to use your phone and only your phone. Mm -hmm. And of course, they want you to, you know, be using your phone camera. Well, in the new terms of service, they it's interesting the way that they decided to reference that because they actually referenced it as our camera. What? Which what, wait, is what? odd. Yeah, uh, so they reference our camera. Our, what? No. So, I don't know how that's supposed to be interpreted other than they're <laughs> saying the camera on my phone is their camera, which they get access to whenever they want. No! That's not how that works. That's- that's well, not- But it's in their terms of service, so apparently that is how that works. No! This is where I have to repeat to myself, terms of service do not reflect reality, and they can put whatever the hell they feel like in there. It's up to someone to contest a clause and- and prove it in court that it's not legal or whatever. Or enforceable. Enforceable is the right term. Unenforceable. But that's- that is a whole lot of effort put on the downstream user mm -hmm. to try to argue that a term of service that's forced on you against your will is not allowed. And I of course, these companies kind of have you over the barrel because mm -hmm. you've been using their platform. You've been establishing yourself. You've got followers. You've got networking that you've done. All of this. And they're basically saying, well, if you want to keep all of the last effort that you've done over the last couple years, well, you have to agree to these new terms. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're basically just wiping the table of all the effort that you've put into our platform if you decide to disagree with them and thus you no longer have an account here. That's part of the business model of a lot of these services is they'll deliberately have, you know, nice, easy, free terms of service to get investment and then they'll change it later to what they actually want 
after people have invested in them. I mean, so YouTube did some of that. And, isn't that not bait and switch in some ways? I would say that it is. I'd say it's very clearly that is. But um, it isn't understood. I don't know if it's been tested in court or not. It's an understood that terms of service evolve. They're not set in mm-hmm. stone forever because you're not going to get... First of all, they're so complicated. Second of all, you're not going to get everything right. And so there has to be some degree of evolution expected, understood. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where the court system and terms of service in, you know, um, intersect is the word I'm looking for. But I, I have to guess that there's got to be some ruling or something. It is okay for us to change the terms of service. Because you're, you're agreeing, it's a, technically, it's a contract you're agreeing to. Well, you're right, but in most contracts, both parties have to agree. But in that case, with terms of service, like, for instance, on Instagram, you have to agree, but you really don't have a choice. You have to agree the first time. The very first time you agree, you're agreeing, and this is key in the terms of service, that they can change the agreement. And you agree the first time that they can change the agreement unilaterally, whether, sometimes they say, uh, without notifying you. Other times they say, we will notify you when there's changes. But a lot of them, almost all the terms of service have some kind of rider written into them that says, we can change these. Because I go looking for that sometimes. I'm one of the few people that actually reads these occasionally. Mm-hmm. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm like, whatever odious terms are in here, I don't, I don't care. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to use this thing and then throw it away. So fine, whatever. Yeah. Which could be if they, if they want me to agree to sell my firstborn, then I've technically agreed to it in their terms, but that would be unenforceable, right? I would expect. Anyway. Well, maybe. I don't know. Has it been tested in court? Well, that actually has come up, though. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. You stumbled onto the landmine. Yeah, in 2014, I think it was, the company called F-Secure set up a free Wi-Fi, hosp- uh, Wi-Fi hotspot in the center of London's financial district. Mm-hmm. And buried in the terms of conditions was a Herod clause that in exchange for using the Wi-Fi, <laughs> the recipient agreed to assign their firstborn child to us for the duration of eternity. That's, uh, I'm amused. First of all, by that, and second of all, that there's a name for it, the Herod Clause. <laughs> well, it's, 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 a, it's an ancient Greek reference. Okay, I, I get it, I get it, but still. Yeah. It has a name that's hilarious, and people agree to this. And the person who at F-Secure did a couple interviews, and he said the biggest lie on the internet is, I have read and agreed to the terms and conditions. Yes, that's, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. But see, here's the funny thing. So they set this up, six people agreed to it. <laughs> Now, as of yet, F-Secure has not attempted to seize ownership of their firstborn. (laughs) However, those people did enter into a legal contract (laughs) that requires them to surrender their firstborn. Oh my gosh. It's like Rumpelstiltskin. And, (laughs) And by clicking that box, they have made a legal statement that they read and agreed to the terms in there. So they can go back and say, well, I lied, but then that's not really going to be a good thing for you when you're starting a court case. It's go, oh, I completely lied about all this stuff. No, no, that doesn't work out well. Courts do not like it when you lie to them. Yes. Well, I was lying then, but I'm not now. How can we prove that? No. Yeah. At any point where a lie enters into the situation, now you draw, you cast out on everything. Because you lied once, mm-hmm. why haven't? Why could you not lie more than once? So there's another wrinkle into this whole terms of service oh, thing. Oh boy! And that is that sometimes companies think their terms of service supersede the law. Oh right. Now this happened in California, where the company Patreon is based. Patreon decided to 
Uh, and I will have links in the show notes. Uh, I'm saying this off of memory, so I might get some small details wrong. But effectively, Patreon canceled a person who was there who had backers who were giving him money. Now, the way Patreon is set up, they are effectively a transaction service. Mm -hmm. The person gets a, a Patreon account so that other people can give money. Patreon takes it, then does the financial transaction, gives that to the creator, and then they take their cut. So they are a middleman service. Mm -hmm. And what they are facilitating is a legal contract between the creator and the sponsor. Mm -hmm. And those two people agree on the terms. And of course, if the creator changes terms, the sponsor can then leave and all. But the fact is, it's a legal contract between the two. Well, Patreon decided, well, we don't like some people, so we're going to just remove them from the platform. Okay, and of course, there's the whole argument of, well, can a platform do whatever they want? Maybe. However, in this case, by Patreon doing that, they have violated contract law in the state of California Oops. because they have been a third party to cancel a contract between two other parties, mm -hmm. which is not how that works. Right. And this came out. Some people mentioned this and then Patreon decided, oh, oh, crap. They went back and changed the terms of service and changed it so that if you wanted to sue Patreon for breach of anything, like a breach of contract, you couldn't. You had to go to arbitration. Right. Yeah, that's a very common after term. the fact. Well, they can't do that in California either because that's a legal thing that the state of California has rules mm -hmm. on arbitration and what you can and can't require and how those things have to be set up. And there was at the time when I last looked into this, there was the potential that they were or maybe they were at the beginning stages of being sued. And per California law, with the way arbitration works, Patreon would have to pay all the fees in advance. Mm. of any of the arbitration. So if enough people sued for arbitration, <laughs> they can wipe out Patreon's bank account because by law, Patreon had to pay up mm -hmm. front. Yeah. Now, I don't, I don't know what all happened with it. Again, links in the description. But this, this led me down a path of how grimy are terms of service at some places? Right. Like, how deep does this go? What kind of shenanigans are going on here? And... I found some things that I thought were funny <laughs> and I figured, let me just go ahead and throw these out okay. there and then I'll toss the mic to mm -hmm. you and say, what are your okay. thoughts? So in 2014, I don't know if this has changed, but in 2014, LinkedIn in their terms of service had the fact that they had the right to change your content, not they could delete what? it. They could go in and change what? it. So like you wrote a blog post on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and you posted it to your timeline and it was you were talking about whatever you agreed that LinkedIn had the right to go in and change what you wrote. The hell I did. Well, well, if you had a LinkedIn account in 2014, you agreed I to guess that. I did. Again, I don't know if that's changed mm -hmm. since. I would hope that it has because that's that's, that's kind of that's dangerous. That's odious. Because that allows that allows employees to just go in and randomly nuke someone's career mm -hmm. by changing the content that's on yeah, their pretty page. Yeah, pretty much. Back to Instagram. A long time ago, Instagram required that you would allow them to sell anything you posted to their site. Oh, no. Now, th again, no. This, this is not, we can use your stuff in marketing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an that's understood common, acceptance yeah. for all social media sites. But if I posted a photo that I took, huh. Instagram had the right to take that photo and sell no. it. No. So mm -hmm. they could take a, a photo of mine and then sell it to a hundred different companies and I would have no legal recourse. Mm. Now, they tried to sneak that one in. Needless to say, on a platform 
widely used by photographers, that did not go over I well. can't imagine. And they, they very quickly reverted that I part. would expect so, yeah. So in, I forget what year this was, I don't, I don't have it down, but the company Sears, you know, you know the company Sears. Are they I still around? Not really a, I don't think they are around anymore. They were actually spying on customers. <laughs> and it was authorized in the terms of service. And the FTC had to actually get involved and stop whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, what terms? Like, I walk into their store, I'm agreeing to some terms of service somewhere? And was, the uh, was it physical, like me, physical surveillance see. or website? Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Hmm. Are they still alive? Okay, so they, uh, it was on their website. If you joined their online community, okay. they would pay $10. But what happened was, they were spying on everything the customer did on their computer. Oh, by joining the community, you paid $10? You got paid $10. Oh. So you got like a $10 discount coupon. But then, by installing whatever it was, extension in your browser or whatever that it required, they then were able to monitor everything. To the point that they were actually monitoring people's banking information and medical oh. information that was being done in the browser. Oh no. Oh no. Now, the company did state this, they just didn't think it through all the way. <laughs> and yeah, then the FTC stepped in and was like, um, yeah, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and charges were settled in 2009, um, and I will... I'll link it later. Yeah, I'll link it later in the show notes if you want to if you want to read through the FTC statement. I probably will on that one. That sounds very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so on uh, let's see. Uh, uh, there was a company called Twitpic that was basically oh, a, if my understanding is right. Yeah. So they were an interface for Twitter for doing pictures mm -hmm. or similar. I, I Back when that was hard. Yeah. So they claimed that they had credit for you. So if you uploaded a photo, they claimed it was there. No. Now here's the funny thing. When people pushed back on this, they said, oh, no, 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 you still, you still own the photo. You still own the copyright, but we get to claim credit for the photo. And it's like, do, do you not understand uh, how what, that whole what, copyright thing what? works? Yeah. That you can't just inject this kind of crap in your terms of service and think it's well, fine. They thought, apparently but they can because they did. <laughs> but it, it seems that companies just think they can get away with anything and everything. Now, there is, there is the funny side to this. And you know how affectionate I am of Apple. Mm -hmm. I guess. But I do have to give Apple some credit for being a little trolly. In well, their everybody terms hit of record right now. So, in uh, the terms of service, which will be linked in the show notes, it states that you also agree, this is the iTunes terms of service, mm -hmm. by the way, you also agree that you will not use these products for any purposes prohibited by the United States law, including, without limitation, the development design, manufacture, or production of nuclear or chemical or biological weapons. <laughs> in an iTunes? In what? iTunes. What possible role could iTunes have in so developing you, nuclear <laughs> weapon missiles? Use, you can uh, not use iTunes to deploy biological weapons. <laughs> I'm sure that's a story now, there. Wow. Now, there's, you, you could also troll back and say, well, does that mean we can classify certain music as terrorism because listening to it is so bad. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, I, I don't know, but... Uh, well... I mean, I, I give them credit for at least being entertaining. Okay, so sometimes those kinds of clauses are put in there... Uh, poison pills is not the right word. Um, so, 
we have a thing. We don't want our stuff to be used by Iran or something. And so you could put a term in there. I'm just saying the hypothetical we not like like me or anything, but the hypothetical we yeah, we don't want our product to be used by certain countries. And so we know there are things that they are engaging in that we don't approve of. So we'll just put a poison pill kind of thing into our terms of service such that technically any Iranian nuclear scientist is against the terms of service and we have every right to revoke their ability to use our software or something. And it seems silly, but sometimes those are, you know, actually end up being important. Okay, but if we're talking about nation states that are producing biological weapons mm -hmm. that are against international treaty, that's pretty much why all are the these majors? people going to care about what iTunes has in its terms of service? Sometimes it's a shareholder violation thing too. international treaty. Right. I don't think they're going to care about iTunes terms of service. Well, yeah, okay, you're like right. Like North Korea. Do you think Kim Jong-un is going to be like, hold up, guys, hold up, hold up, stop the nuclear program, I won't be able to listen to my iTunes. Yeah, I need, I need my iTunes. Like, is this how we solve the proliferation of weapons, iTunes? Is, uh, is Apple brilliant, no. or are they nonsensically unable to understand that they don't have this much power in the world? Sometimes these things come from weird, crazy shareholder lawsuits or demands. Like, so I get... Um, from my IRA, we have, we own stocks, and and as part of my IRA, and so I get these vote on uh, all of these things for the year, and inevitably there's always one or two shareholder lawsuits with something crazy, and the recommendation to the board every single time is to ignore it, you know, vote vote down the shareholder almost universally. If it's a shareholder lawsuit, it's not what the board wants, so vote it down. It's always the board's recommendation, and a lot these days I'm seeing a lot of these um, EOG and environmental governance. Something like that. Or ESG, excuse me. Kind of like non-financial reasons for why we would choose to or not to do business with someone. And there's more and more demands from shareholders for businesses to do things in a way that holds them accountable for their environmental waste or, or their approach to, you know, which countries they're willing to do business with. So sometimes these things end up in terms of service because a shareholder lawsuit actually succeeds for once. And now to prove to the courts that I'm actually you know, listening and I'm doing as the shareholder lawsuit demands, here I've put this term into my terms of service. It says these people cannot use this software for firing off nuclear weapons or whatever what it was you said. Okay, so explain to me, I know you can't, but you know, just postulate here. Okay. What kind of possible situation would have come up where iTunes is like, whoa, dude, we need to take a stance on biological weapons? Steve Jobs says, I will never let anybody who does nuclear weapons use our product. And they're like, how do we do that? Keep in mind, this is also the same Apple, which uses slave labor in China. Yes. And uses child labor mm -hmm. and doesn't have a problem with it. And hold on, not just doesn't have a problem with it, actually lobbied in Washington against legislation mm -hmm. that would require them to stop using child labor. Actively defending the practice of them using child labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so Apple, child labor good, biological weapons bad. I mean... <laughs> That's a kind of an odd stance to take as a, as a multinational Because it's not about the morals. It's about the financials only. Pure, plain, and simple. It's well, a heck of a lot case, cheaper to put together widgets when you've got kids doing it and you pay them pennies. Right. But there is a whole lot of money to be made in the weapons market. I there mean, is. that is a huge industry with billions and billions and billions of dollars in development. Only if there's conflict, though. But yeah, there's going to be conflict. There always <laughs> is conflict. If they would allow iTunes to become a critical weapons component, they could become a $2 trillion company overnight as all the military-industrial complex races to implement this. If it's to their advantage, perhaps. I don't know, just... I... I this one is clearly for comedy. Imagine missiles that could lock on to certain songs. 
Ooh. You could just There's a lot of possibility them, with that. And then when someone listens to that bad song, they go away. Kind of a little satellite overhead with a laser on there. And if it's right. something on some ground listener hears it, it's going to like, okay, that person needs to die. Done. That song will we, never be played we already again. Do, we already do Drone Strikes as a nation. I mean, is it really? Are we really that far away from it? Okay, that, that's, that's, that's a little bit of a hyperbole there. Uh, obviously. But maybe not, actually. There's some legitimacy to that question, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gotten far afield from terms of service discussion, but again, this, this is this is related. You know, it's um, there's a fine line between what the government does and what the quasi governmental corporations do. You know, so that's part of the reason why you would set up a, a an ostensibly private but actually public company. You know, there are these private public companies like like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They're technically private companies, but they're for the public good. They're for public, you know, to do public policy effectively. So, um. And sometimes for liability reasons, or, or just mostly for liability reasons, you would say, this thing could be abused, so we're going to kind of bundle that up into some entity that we can, we can shed and will not mm -hmm. actually affect us. So much of the way you know, companies are laid out and designed is just for liability and risk purposes, period, end of story. So when I hear about a company putting a weird term into a terms of service, I immediately think, what is the liability that they're trying to avoid? Because... These things are not casually done. You know, every term in the term of service has been considered, but companies that are doing their diligence, you know, I know there are, there are like terms of service assemblers where uh, you're a small software shop and you just need to build a terms of service. You go to use the assembler and you say, I want that clause and that clause and that clause and it just puts it together for you. Boom. You know, or, or like legal zoom or something like that. But these Apple has buildings full of lawyers. IBM has buildings full of lawyers and they're, pouring over the terms of these terms of service that people are agreeing to, to make sure that every single clause is to their advantage and that they are protected in all the ways that they feel. They have properly identified and insulated their company and themselves from any of the negative risk, you know? And so some of these terms, which are bizarre or completely unenforceable, um, are just purely companies, whether or not it's enforceable, we're going to say this because no, few people are going to push back, you know? So... The arbitration clause, which has gotten much more heated in the last couple of years, and you know, state governments, and I think even the federal government now is looking at cooling down the arbitration clause because that that single activity of expecting not expecting is not the right word forcing arbitration only is almost always to the advantage of the corporation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's difficult for me to walk into arbitration prepared. Because a lot of arbitration clauses also, the expectation is that you go yourself. You're not going to bring a lawyer with you. Sometimes some of the arbitration clauses, the lawyer's not allowed. It's you. You file a complaint. And so they're expecting you to go into the lion's den with the, an ostensibly neutral third party and mm. make your case and have any chance of success. No, it's, it's clearly obvious. We're not saying no. We're just saying you have to arbitrate with this, which is you're never going to win effectively. And there are times right. when actually you know, people are like, oh, I'm still going to do it, and they do win. I know that happens. I just think it happens so infrequently that a lot of these arbitration clauses are in there purely so that companies can do whatever the hell they feel like without repercussion. And that's why they've garnered so much attention in the last couple of years. But I, I still don't, I don't know how far along we are in, in tearing down the arbitration clause. Because there, there are certainly good reasons to begin with arbitration. I don't want to be spending three years and. $1.2 million in legal fees just to determine that we could have talked about this and decided prematurely 
We didn't need mm. to go through, you know, two years of discovery. If we just talked early on, we could have resolved our differences. And I think there's, so there's definitely a legitimate reason for arbitration, but not the only, that's our only recourse is arbitration or nothing, you know? And that's in tons and tons and tons of terms of service. It's everywhere. And it's one of those things that when all the corporations are finding this term of the terms of service is so important that they're putting it in, that says to me that's important enough to pay attention to, and we should probably tear it down. Something like that. Wow, this got serious. It started off as kind of a comedy episode, but it's, it's gotten kind of serious. Like, that, that's just, this is a serious problem, this arbitration clause. Because mm-hmm. almost always, the arbitration clause or clauses in, in a terms of service are, you know, you will fly to us, to, to our wherever, where it doesn't say this in the terms, but effectively what they're doing is they're setting a, a situation where you are at every disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And you're going to cave or you're not going to bother. And that's, you're agreeing to that. I would hope that the courts would find that, if not unenforceable, that there needs to be some more guidelines or rules around arbitration. Like, I think there's been some, some recent push that arbitration cannot force you to fly to their city. Like, the arbitration has to happen in the nearest major city or something. Um, mm-hmm. Jurisdictional rele- relevance, I think is what it is. That the company who's putting forth the terms of service does not get to decide where the jurisdiction is. That mm-hmm. they have to go to you. Which adds to their cost. But if they get what they want, then the one out of 100,000 people that is willing to, to contest something and go into arbitration, they'll be willing to put a couple of lawyers on a plane and send them out there for a day or two to win. That's still cheaper than, you know, they're getting more from those 100,000 people agreeing to do this than they are from the one who says, no, I'm not going to. Usually, that's what that means. Yeah, and it's also important to keep in mind that a lot of these companies that do this kind of stuff, they have lawyers on retainer, so it's not mm-hmm. like they have to go hire lawyers. Right They're now, already yeah. paying the lawyers. Mm-hmm. So sending them wherever is just, okay, how much is the plane going to cost? How much mm-hmm. is the hotel going to cost? Yeah, It's not like, oh, this is going to cost the company so much money. Nope. Uh, yeah. No, they're already paying it. It's factored in. Yeah, it's part of the business. It yeah. should be part of their business thesis, even, you know? Mm-hmm. A smart company does that. I mean, you have to be large enough that you have the ability to sit there and think about that. But in the, the run-up of a small company becoming a medium company, becoming a larger company, one of the things that always evolves, not always, almost always evolves, are their approach to lawyering. You know, mm-hmm. Even forming a company, you don't specifically need a lawyer, but if you're going to do anything more complicated than simple stuff, it's best to have a lawyer review and file for you. And yeah. As you grow as a company, your need for lawyering just it naturally increases. And then, so now you have got this guy on retainer or gal or multiple or, or whole firm, and they're getting paid whether you're using them or not. So put them to use, put them to, put them to goodwill, but do something with them. Yeah. And, you know? and if you're a big enough company, you have lawyers on staff mm-hmm. because you have so much legal stuff you right. need anyway. Insurance companies that- almost always have lawyers on staff because they're going to be in court or they're going to be in arbitration all the time. That's what they mm-hmm. do. That's their business. So... Imagine Apple has lawyers on staff. They're big enough that they would so. need it. Or, or you know, IBM yeah. absolutely does. We know that. There's, you know, lots of history of that. Mm-hmm. They would use them as billy clubs all throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, or I'm sure earlier than that, too. But, you know, the classic early days of, of computing and you were going to do a thing and IBM catches wind of it and decides that, nope, that's actually our thing and we're going to bully you until you give it to us or let us do it. Mm-hmm. And they send the lawyers in. What was that show that we watched, um, Halt and Catch Fire? That's like the very first episode where they're reverse engineering the computer and then oh, yeah. in comes IBM and they send like 15 lawyers and they're all in their very dour black suits and they're all with stern faces and it's just 
Mm -hmm. they're, they're like very slowly walking around the corner and just keep coming more and more and more and more and like how many lawyers do you need for this? Well, they that's needed a combination tactic. They sent yeah. 15 to intimidate. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. make the point that mm -hmm. we are IBM. We are IBM. We can do whatever the hell we say or we want to do. Um, so the other thing about terms of service and I don't know if we touched on this before, so if this is a repeat listener, I'm sorry. You're going to listen to it twice then. Um, <laughs> is that when they are updated, they often include a whole bunch of clauses around the enforcement of the new terms, mm -hmm. whether or not you actually know about them. So, for instance, some of them will say, from the date that these terms are put in place, you have three days to agree. And if you do not oppose them, you automatically agree. Well, hmm. That's that's an interesting one because what happens if you're not on the site for a week? Mm -hmm. You've somehow automatically agreed to changes that you are not aware of and you haven't been able to decide, okay, no, I don't agree with those. Um, mm. Because some of them, there was one that happened in the past couple months and I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but they did that where you had, I think it was 24 hours, maybe 48, to agree to these terms and then... Once you agreed to them, certain things would would happen with your data. Well, mm -hmm. if you didn't know about it until a week later, you already opted in to allowing them to do things with your data that you never consented to mm -hmm. because they put in a termination little thing of you only have this window to object. And mm -hmm. if you don't object, then you're automatically confirming. And I don't I don't know how that is really legal. And I mean, maybe it's just the fact that nobody's pushed back on it. I think that's but exactly what it, it is. Seemed, it seemed to me at least, that since a terms of service is a sort of quasi-contract, that both parties would have to agree to it. And you can't just stipulate if you don't tell us no, it automatically applies. Now, I could understand if they said, if, you know, when you log into the site, for instance, I think PayPal does this, when they change the terms of service, you can't do anything on their site mm -hmm. until you agree to them. Right. So you are at least notified there has been a change. Mm -hmm. Whereas other companies seem to want to not inform you and it's just buried on some web page somewhere mm -hmm. and oh well you didn't notice that we changed it and oh we only put you know a couple days that you could notice it so it's like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy pretty much you know the, the the very first the beginning episode um talking about oh that we, we filed it you know there was the plans were available if you had gone to go look and there's right. a running gag about that so what happens i think a lot of times is let's say someone is on top of thing and they do object uh, or they, they don't object in their three days, but they come back later and say, I didn't agree to this. I haven't been on the site for two weeks. I come in. First, first thing I do on the site is I look at the terms because I heard about them and I don't agree to this. Well, technically, according to your rules, it's too late, but I don't agree. Uh, we're going to enter arbitration. And for them, for that one pain in the ass guy who's going to just keep going and keep going, who can't be bought off, they just settle. You know, settle out of court. No, no, it has to be something so terrible, so odious that you can't settle. You can't get people to settle and they take you to court. Like that's the mm -hmm. only way to actually get terms of service changed is if the company doesn't uh, just cave. And a lot of times companies will cave because it's, it's just part of the business model. They're going to have some, you know, one tenth of one percent of people that just don't agree. And we're probably going to have to settle on some of these things. As long as it doesn't cost us too much, we're okay with that part of the business mm -hmm. model. If we make thousand dollars per user and we have one tenth of one percent of users who disagree then that one tenth of one percent is going to cost us i don't know thirty thousand forty thousand something i don't know pick mm -hmm. a number of a hat 
but we're still making a whole heck of a lot more money. So, right. the, you know, the numbers say, go do it. So the complication then comes in with when they have a, uh, uh, basically a time delay on when you can object. Yeah. But the changes themselves change the arbitration policy. Mm -hmm. Because now you're bound to terms that you can't uh, protest and you know, potentially sue or whatever the way you could before the terms. So like you get into this weird cyclical problem mm -hmm. of I want to disagree with these new terms of service that I was not notified at, but the new terms of service mean I can't disagree and protest the same way I could before the terms. That's what I'm protesting. So you're limited in how you can sue the company mm -hmm. be because the changes they've put in place and that's what you're actually objecting to. Mm -hmm. I think there's I, there's no way around that, frankly. I, they hold all the cards. They can do that. And they do, they, the mythical they, corporations do that all the time. And what options do we have? So I, I don't have the time or the energy or the focus to be tracking all the services I use and all their terms of service and what changes may be happening. And so I just short-circuit it and say, all right, I'm not investing in this service at all. Now, that means I don't, I don't have a, a YouTube account with any content on it. I don't have an Instagram. Mm -hmm. I don't have any of those things because I know that I'm not willing to fight. I don't have the attention to give for any of the content that may go up there. Now, that may change in the future. I've, I've long wanted to have like a, you know, a, a YouTube fix-it channel or, or something or some kind of series mm -hmm. of let's take apart a guitar amp because that's what I like to do, that kind of thing. At that point where I really have to start, I'll start paying attention. And I honestly think I'll give myself heartburn trying to figure out all the terms of service and make sure that I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. a lawyer. I don't have all the time in the world to make sure that my response to their terms of service are, are of quality. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I accidentally stumbled into the YouTube creator side of things a couple of days ago. I don't remember how, I think I was looking for a comment that I'd made on a video a while ago and I stumbled into there and it made me agree to some terms of service before I could even look at the interface to see if they were comments. And so I just like, oh, fine, whatever, go away, go away. I have no idea what I disagree to. We have to pass the bill so we can see what's in it, Jeff. No, no, that doesn't work in government. It shouldn't work in government, though it happens all the time. Like in Brexit, when they were clearly copying old content from old bills, uh, there was something from, I think it was Netscape Navigator was a requirement or something. So clearly they had copied bills from like 20 years ago when they were yeah. making the Brexit exit, exit agreement, I should say. Uh, it, it was immediately obvious that they was, it was not a new thing. Uh, so... Like, uh, you had alluded in a, in a prior episode to the Patriot Act. That was, they tried to bring the Patriot Act in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And it got voted down, rightfully so, but now... Yep, and then it sat you know, on a shelf. 9-11 happens. they needed it. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's pull that down, let's just... Because, I mean, how else are you going to pass a multi-thousand page bill mm -hmm. in a day? That's, like, yeah, that's what happened there. You, you didn't write that, the, uh, it was already written. Mm -hmm. The uh, Obamacare, whatever the official name of it, was the same thing. It was like a 1,200-page bill. Mm -hmm. And they released it, and they were going to vote on it three days later. And I'm like, how in the heck would anyone have time to read 1,200 pages of legalese, much less digest and understand and be able to make an educated decision on am I voting for this or not? Or what objections do I have? Yeah. Everything about it was designed for, don't read it, just cave and vote for it. We've done all the legwork for you. Don't think, just do. You're a Democrat, you vote for it. Or you're a Republican, you're, you're going to, you know, don't, don't vote against it, but, you know, you're not going to have time to really find your real objections. You're just going to have to vote against it because it's a party thing. And at the time, they had the, the majority so they could do whatever they wanted, effectively. Um, it just, there's... 
So the thing we haven't really addressed is the moral side of this. None of these things that we're describing corporations do is moral or ethical. It just mm -hmm. seems it's completely unethical to change terms unilaterally. If this is a contract or a quasi-contract, which we're talking about, both parties should agree. I should not be able to sign away my rights to agree to changes. And yet, mm -hmm. somehow I am able to sign those rights away and clearly have done so freely because I don't read some of these terms. Um, well, here's, here's another question that comes in is, how does that work for companies dealing with other companies? Because this is the internet mm -hmm. age. If I agree to, let's say you start an online service mm -hmm. and it's a, I don't know, it's about widgets and you have a site where you can exchange information with people about widgets. <laughs> so I sign up and you have your terms of service, but you have your site hosted on AWS. Mm -hmm. Well, AWS has terms of service for all the content that's on their server, mm -hmm. which means my content is on an AWS server, mm -hmm. but I don't have access to AWS's terms of service to see what terms of service my data that you're holding is under. Mm. Yeah. It's like, how does that work out? Because you have the access to the AWS terms of service that you've agreed to because mm -hmm. you're providing the service, but I don't. So then can Amazon, when they change the terms of service for you, they're changing the terms of service on my data that I don't have any say mm -hmm. Effectively. Or even any ability to then do anything at Amazon because I'm not the one who's made the agreement. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, you're right. Exactly right. And there's nothing I can do about that as a user. Nothing you can do. We'd have no recourse there. We wouldn't, I could make an educated guess that this service is using AWS because I can go look at the IP space and know that, oh, that, that maps back to Amazon or whatever. And from there, then I can go look at terms of service and be like, okay, what am I agreeing to? The amount of work this takes is not something I'm willing to do. I, I know there's somebody out there that's it's willing to do that, you know, that feels that strongly or, or is maybe they find it fun to go and, and track these things down. There there are people like that, you know. I'm glad there are because they're the ones that, that go, okay, hey, this term here that I'm seeing in lots of terms of service, we need to throw it out. They're the ones that are actually reading it and understanding it. But I don't have any recourse. Maybe I just I maybe I've been trained this way, but I, I just when it comes to a terms of service of any kind, I don't have any recourse. Period. I just think of it that way. I have no recourse. I'm not gonna be able to object. So either I use the service and agree to the terms, or I don't use the service and I walk away. Period. I'm not. I'm not going to try and find a middle ground where I'm arguing for some feature or some ability or or some right that they're not going to agree to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There there are times when you can flip this on its head. There was a. I, I don't know if this is a joke or not, but I read about this a couple of years ago that a guy, I think it was in Russia, had taken one of the credit card applications that was sent to him. He had photocopied it. He had changed the terms to be something that was like beneficial to him. Like he never had to be repay any interest or anything like that or repay any of it. And he signed that agreement and he, it looked very much like the agreement that was sent to him. I mean, you had to go read the fine print and then he sent it back in and they accepted it. And so he was like racking up all these charges on his credit card. And then he actually tried to take him to court for violation of the contract. <laughs> and the court was actually like, well, this isn't legit, but you did agree to this, so technically you're on the terms for it. So basically he got, I don't know, ten dollars or $12,000 worth of stuff free or something like that. And he knew he was going mm -hmm. to be this way. Now, that's, I think, apocryphal, but it's possible. And that's a, a risk when you're dealing with mail-in stuff. That I can't go and change the terms of service of Instagram when they're printing it to me on a, on a website. I have no, it's not writable. It's read-only, and I can either accept or reject. And I, I recognize... And 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 the other thing is, it's really hard. Uh, you can use the archive, internet archive, and stuff like that to archive that. Mm -hmm. But 
there are plenty of examples where companies have silently changed the terms of service and mm -hmm. not notified. Yep. So it's really hard to prove if you didn't make an archive copy what you actually even agreed to initially. Mm -hmm. On the important ones, I, I actually make a copy, like a copy paste out of whatever the thing is that's showing me the terms of service and I put it somewhere on the computer. What I hate is when they don't let you or they give you a tiny box. It's like an inch and a half tall and you're expected to scroll through like 900 pages on this inch and mm -hmm. a half box. Everything is designed to get you to not read it. You know? Right. Again, unethical, but it's, I expect it now. I don't know if there's anything that could be done, frankly. Companies are always going to do what's best for them. Period. End of story. Not, not all companies. There, there are some ethical ones out there. But I just think uh, any company who's putting out a term or putting out a service like that, especially any free service, because almost always a lot of these services are free with, with air quotes here. It costs you nothing to use Instagram. What you're giving up is your privacy, your data, and the content mm. which they're allowed to use and do whatever they want with, you know, as you alluded to earlier. But it's free to use. And so it's very easy for the company to argue, well, this is free. If you don't like it, don't use it. If you don't mind, go ahead and use it. But if you don't, then okay, bye. You know? Yeah. Well, of course, that brings up the old the old adage of if uh, if if you're not paying for the service, you are the service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't or, like free that's services. Not, that's not how it goes. It's um, if uh, how I, the, uh, if a corollary is if you can't identify the mark, you are the mark. Oh yeah, yeah. If you can't, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. That's mm -hmm. the one I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I, that's the way I feel. So I don't really tend to use free services very much. Well, okay, that's the truth. I use Linux all the time. But Linux doesn't mm -hmm. come with odious terms attached to it. You know, I know what those terms are. I've read those licenses. I understand what it is that I'm using. And I can more or less safely stay in that realm and not have to con be concerned as much. So that's that's a question is, is this something we're going to start seeing in open source software where beyond the GPL or the MIT, we're also going to be having terms of use that projects are going to try to inject to control how people mm. use it? It's possible. Uh, almost always what I see is uh, no express warranty of merchantability or liability. That's, that's the terms, is to make sure that you're using this on your own risk, basically. Mm -hmm. I would struggle to think of a situation where an open source company would be able to get away with putting some terms of use in that would actually be like profitable to them. I don't know. I have to think about. Well, that. I'm not even thinking an open source company. I'm just thinking open source developers in general, because I'm pretty sure that there is uh, a variation of the GPL that bars like military use. Mm -hmm. Taking that to its logical conclusion, are we? Is that something that unfortunately we're going to be running into? Where I hope not. It, that becomes a more standard thing where developers are like, "Well, I don't want this used this way or this way or this way or this way or this way," mm -hmm. and we end up with laundry lists of use cases. Like, well, is that I, I think I think we are going to see that. Unfortunately, I don't like that. I I'm strongly opposed to that, but at the same time, that's my stance. I can safely, morally stand on firm ground and say, all right, I'm publishing this thing, I'm putting it under this license, and I don't really have much control over how you choose to use it past what's in this license. Mm -hmm. But there's, you know, we joked about the anyone but Richard Stallman license. That's one of those that right. technically they're putting a term in. Um, and I see more and more, there's, you know, this activism that says, all right, I do not want my stuff used for military is a common one. Uh, or mm -hmm. oil companies is another common one. Like, I will not mm -hmm. be a party to helping an oil company destroy the environment in any way. So mm -hmm. no oil companies. And I think we're going to see this more. And it's also going to be an individual important. user. I don't have to worry about that. But, I, I, you know, yeah. if I work for an oil firm, then I do have to worry about it. 
I have to separate my work from my home. I also think this is going to be very interesting. The, the exact way that it's implemented, because, mm -hmm. for instance, like the Richard Stallman license, the restriction is in the actual GPL-like license. Mm -hmm. um, or actually, I think it's more of an MIT-like license. But if the license itself is changed, then mm -hmm. it's not really the GPL. It's, it's something else. So right. it's yeah. a fringe license. We don't really need to worry about it. But mm -hmm. if somebody licenses their software as GPL, but also includes the terms of service as an additional file in, in let's say, the Git repo. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that mean that I, as the downstream person, could fork that repo, delete that license, or that terms of service license, because you're allowed to modify it, and then now I have the same exact code without that restriction? Like, wouldn't yeah. you be able to do that? I suppose so. But uh, you'd have to then, people would have to know that you've done this. Mm -hmm. Now, in small environments, I think it's fine, you know, or like I'm publishing a module on node modules, whatever, you know, then I could take somebody else's module with an odious term and I could clone it and put my copy up and have non-odious terms. And that would be a way to do that. Yeah. Because I think you're agreeing to terms whenever you're downloading a lot of these things. Like each one of them has supposedly has terms assigned. And so like uh, we talked to Python and, and PyPy in the VMware rant episode and they're I think part of the reason their restrictions are in place is because they don't want to have to be dealing with any of that. So they're basically saying, we're only going to host unencumbered packages. If this mm -hmm. is encumbered in any way, we don't want anything to do with it. Go pound sand. Because they don't want to be in the middle of that. They don't want to be in arbitration. They don't have the money for that. They're just hosting right. uh, uh, not even a marketplace. You know, It's a bazaar of, of ideas, of, of sharing of knowledge. And that's what they're providing. That's it. They don't want to be in the middle of the legal side of anything. So there's going to be some breakdown there's going to be some projects and some some developers and activist developers very public on, on twitter or this and say well i won't have my code used for x and i've, I've already heard of a couple doing it you know it, it makes the news sometimes because it has to be an important enough developer that we would care mm -hmm. right if random joe blow has made you know two node modules that, that are used one every four months no one's going to care if that person stands up and announces on twitter that my code will never be used for military or, or petroleum company use who cares? I don't know, man. People on Reddit sometimes have fun finding those people that do stuff like that and just burying them with just thousands and thousands <laughs> of people now knowing that this is the hill you wanted to die on. Because that seems to be one of uh, one of Reddit's MOs. That's funny. Oh, that's funny. Man. I honestly think we're going to be seeing more crazy terms and more mm -hmm. crazy... Uh, arbitration or, or even worse because it's it's never in the interest of a company not never it's rarely in the interest of a company to play it straight up they have an advantage they choose not to take advantage of this advantage then they're leaving money on the table effectively especially a publicly traded company where they are kind of duty bound to do the best for their shareholders that they can then they kind of have to take advantage of every opportunity and take every 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 bit of help possible or else they risk a shareholder lawsuit over not, you know, specific performance or something, you know. Anyway, I, I just think we're going to see more of it, and it's gonna, it's gonna be kind of Kafka-esque, hilarious at times. Like I can't believe that that's in the in the terms of service now, but we're gonna to have to decide. You know, hey, I use Android all the time. If they add a term that I don't agree with, I have to decide not to use my Android phone. No, I've got you know twelve years of investment in Android. I'm I'm not about to back out now. So just like you're talking about with with Instagram. I'm heavily invested in, in my Android phone, you know, moving off of Android to another platform, actually like going to AOSP, I could do, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's lots of 
tools that I'm used to that would not be available from AOSP. And you could uh, you could use Sailfish as well. That's true. Yeah, there, it, I have well, I have some options. It, if you if you went with Sailfish X because that has Alien Dalvik, but then you're limited on what device you can use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so. but I, I have to decide what's my level of of comfort and what am I willing to tolerate. Mm -hmm. Honestly, and that sometimes I I pick a hill to die on. Mostly, I try and be flexible and be like, all right, you know, maybe I'll be forced to give this up. But um, while right now, while it's easy and convenient, I'm gonna go ahead and do this thing. Right. Because that's, that's the coin of my realm, is how much attention am I having to put towards a thing? Mm -hmm. And each one of these things, trying to make sure that I'm doing it right, takes attention. Yeah. Also time and resources and opportunity cost of doing something else. But for me, it's attention. I have a limited amount of attention to give. Mm -hmm. I don't want to spend it needlessly reading someone else's crappy terms of service to try and find how they're going to screw me. Right. They're going to screw me, I know it. I'm just going to short-circuit it. They're going to screw me, and I have to make my peace with it. So, imagine quite a lot of our listeners feel the same way. I also have to guess, we got some smart listeners. Some of them are, are probably reading all of them. And, uh, you know, tell us if you are. We want to hear. Uh, I think it'd be very entertaining. And just to talk with the people that, uh, that there's got to be a drive there. And I would like to understand it better. So if any of our listeners, if you are one that likes to read the terms of service and like you go into it and you go fight with the company over, over the terms of service, let us know. I would love to hear about it. Yeah. yeah or if you just have general thoughts that we haven't talked about. Oh, in, I'm sure. Uh, in yeah. this. Bring them up. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like always, we want to we want to start a conversation and get more ideas and more opinions. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, give us your thoughts. Uh, links uh, for everything that I mentioned before will be in the show notes, uh, as well as how to contact us and in our Telegram channel, in our Matrix channel. You've got options. Pick one. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Well, this actually ended up quite a bit longer than I thought it was going to be. I hope that uh, we've shed some illumination on some of these challenging terms, and, and also had some humor up front, uh, but I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay. I guess I was thinking too much about terms of service. I have no idea what I was going to say. How about I just end with, um, be excellent to each other. <laughs>